This is Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop, our weekly podcast about all things running and a little bit of goofing around. And uh, we're just going to roll right into it because we're getting excited. Christmas. Is, mm-hmm. it, is Christmas here or is Christmas coming when this goes out? It'll be, it'll be Christmas Tomorrow. Eve. Ooh, Christmas Eve. I hope you've been nice, not naughty, so that you get some good running gear. Yeah. I th- feel like at this point, it doesn't matter either way. You'll probably get good running gear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, most of the people who are listening to this, probably when they're, they're going to get a pair of running gloves. They're going to get a, a pair, like a hat, a winter running hat. I mean, what else do you get? You usually get like a wind jacket or something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe shoes. Probably shoes. That yeah. seems like a hot one. Yeah. By the way, we do shoe reviews, so check out our site. Yeah, click on all you, the affiliate links. Yeah, before you <laughs> use that gift card, get there. What's another thing people might get? I think like gooders are a good present. Stocking stuffers for oh, sure. Yeah. Solid stocking stuffer. Yeah, that would be a good one. What else, Robbie? Do you have uh, any ideas? A race entry to the Louisiana Marathon. Ooh. Ooh, that is good too. Very good. I also got 200 Nerf darts. Oh, did you? Yeah. Those disappear somehow. Yeah, it's amazing how it's, they're worse than running socks. How much would you think 200 Nerf darts cost? I know because I bought them like two weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's less than It's I super cheap. Yeah. It's the like, guns are expensive. You know what? The guns aren't as expensive as I thought either. Oh, really? I got uh, I got my kid like one for like 10 bucks, and it, it hurts. Well, the boys were going to throw out. They're Nerf guns, and I was like, we, we're not getting rid of these. I love these things. So yeah, I just ordered me, a dude. bunch of, I know, <laughs> I bought a bunch of Nerf darts. I was like, they're either going to Robbie's kids or I'm bringing them to the office to annoy each other. Yeah. So, you know, we can shoot each other. Dude, I once, before I worked here, I worked in a government office prior to the Coast Guard, and it was, and this is why I don't trust the government with any of my money, is because it was so insane that there was people having like nerf dart wars in the office like they're getting paid and a crap ton of money for their contract because they're contractors and do you think that's like, what the, nobody did anything do you think that's what the councilmen in baltimore are doing most of the time they're just doing nerf gun wars <laughs> probably <laughs> real gun wars yeah um yeah i don't know it was whatever we don't talk about nerf guns anymore all right but they're also a good gift if i mean every runner we should have a running event where you're uh-huh. eliminated by Nerf guns, so you got to run and you got to get to a certain place the fastest and not I get think, shot. I think that's just paintball, basically, or American Gladiators. Yeah, it's like one of I, those. I like it. I like it. <laughs> we should set it up. All right, so let's get rolling. Um, this week, Meg, you're done with the Ironman. Whew, thank goodness. What are you doing? Like, are you just running around aimlessly? So here's the thing. I was planning on taking it real chill. You know, started my base training from Boston. But then Ben Johnson slid into my DMs oh. and said he signed up for Donna Marathon weekend. Ben's very sneaky. And he's ready to pace me. And now I got to race it. So hopping straight back into marathon training. Wow. That's another marathon. If you want to do something coming up early February in Jacksonville, Florida, Jack's Beach, Florida. Robbie is also going to be there. It's going to be star studded. It's going to be Ben Johnson. Meg, Robbie, myself, all hanging out. Lindsay Hine. Lindsay Hine hanging out uh, at the Donna Marathon. It's a very cool atmosphere. It's by far one of my favorite weekends of the year. So much love. Reigning queen over here. Yeah, Megan, how many years have you won? We already marathon? talked about this. Like, Just say it. No, we're still going to talk about it. Like four times. We don't have any other winners on this We team. might be going <laughs> for five this year. Do you yeah. think Ben could win it? Or is- 
Uh, there's a guy going for two thirty. Oh wow. Okay. So so we we should. Do and if he's pacing invite, me, that's a hard no. Shouldn't oh, we invite yeah, uh, sure. Jordan Trofe since they seem to be able to travel anywhere they want? And he yeah. Can come run it. He's on two thirty for. He runs race in Florida all the time. I could see him doing the ultra at Donna, and running the sub two thirty, at the end of the ultra. What do they have like an ultra? Yeah. So they have a. It's called the Donna one ten. And so what you do is you start on Saturday morning and you do. 80 some, I can't do the math right now. You do okay. 80, 84 miles. 84 miles. And then you start the marathon with, with everyone else, else and you do the 26.2 for 110 miles. And we've had a guy, Mark, that has crushed out a sub three hour he marathon. He paced me ridiculous. after he ran 80 84 miles, yeah. miles. And his average pace for the 84 miles was something ridiculous, like eight flat. Right? Yeah. Maybe okay. lower. It might have been the seventh. But anyway, if you want, come and join us. It's February 4th through the 6th in Jacksonville, Florida, and it'll be a ton of fun. I mean, who doesn't want to meet Ben? He's the sweetest human. Yeah, super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Robbie, What's also up? marathon training. Mm-hmm. How's it going? Um, It's mixed, I would say. I feel like it was an upswing for you this week. Yeah, but it's still mixed. It was a good, that was the high point. It's like... Uh, it's like Bitcoin. My training is like Bitcoin. <laughs> it's up and down. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but it keeps, on general, yeah. Bitcoin keeps going up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there okay. Go. Um, so if Thomas you got, would invest in you. If yeah, you got I'll into my it. running three years ago, you're doing okay. How much can I get in for right now? <laughs> I can, let's see. Today, you can get in at a good entry point. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, I did a long run on Sunday because we had the Faster Bastards uh like holiday, holiday party 5K. on Saturday, which is a great time. And I uh, kind of, I didn't run that morning. And so wait, you did it the day after? Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't run the 5k though. Yeah, but we did have a little bit of. Oh yeah, that doesn't affect me. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, Here's I did that. eat pizza for every meal that day, which is weird. But it worked. So now you know what your pre-race meal should that be. That always is my pre-race meal actually, is pizza and beer. So there we go. Like two, Solid. Two Mexican beers, two slices of pizza, <laughs> always my pre-race meal. And it always works. All right. Um, Solid. But I, yeah, so I did a 14 mile long run, pretty hilly, pretty pretty good though. I felt good because I had been having some hip issues, Achilles. Achilles. And you ran that in the new Nimbus Lite. Mm-hmm. Nimbus Lite three, 3. A6. A6 gel Nimbus Light. Don't forget that gel. I know. I always I leave out some of the details. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it was a really nice yeah. nice run. Um, pretty good weather and just felt good almost the whole time till the end. And hips started acting up a little bit. You know, I think. do you think, for me, if you tell me, hey, your long run this weekend is 14 miles, mm-hmm. the last mile always feels a little achy. If you tell me my yeah. run is 20 miles, I'm fine until <laughs> right. yeah. 19 and I'm, like, a little achy. Yeah, like, I think we were just ready to be done. And well, and I start. picked it up the last couple miles too. There we go. Like, because it's trying to just you know get used see to what that. you got. Yeah, it wasn't like super fast, but um, it was like crazy windy. <laughs> you know, it was, I'm not gonna talk about. It. You know, down by the Care First building at Clinton Street. Yeah, it's like I don't understand the science of it, and I was like, the wind hits you both. Directions. I was oh, literally yeah. just swearing. Like, yeah, I was. Like, if anyone sees me right now, <laughs> they're gonna think I'm absolutely insane. So I was yelling like that i don't know can you hear that you're probably can hear that i, I lightly could hear fucking shit yeah or something. No, that's what it was <laughs> and i was just like yelling it and i was, if someone saw me it would have been i hope someone cool. did yeah I was, it is weird because i know what you're talking about it's right on like the corner of the bay so you would think that you would get wind that would be normal but it 
and it's always colder because it's coming out the water. Yeah, it goes both directions. It's like it makes no sense. Yeah. Anyways, so but overall, uh, pretty nice. And then I did a night run with friend Ben and ran the Alpha Fly for that. Alpha Fly Nature. Alpha Fly Fly Trash You at a cool nine minute per mile pace. Oof. So here's what I have a question about that shoe, and this happened happens with me for other shoes like with a super severe rocker like the uh hoka carbon x the first version or the the brooks stretch your achilles no just like my calves just are killing me after i mean here's the thing you're putting if it's i think it's a soft thing even more so because what's happening is you're if your calves are killing you when you're landing you're getting that extra squish Mm -hmm. that you're not used to so you're getting that like your foot is sinking in more which is putting strain on your calf to like rebound back up from that. Yeah. Would be my guess. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That probably makes sense. It doesn't like in other shoes, like the Metaspeed and stuff that doesn't, I don't feel it. Yeah. But Metaspeed doesn't have as much soft sink in yeah. feel as like an alpha fly. Mm, I kind of disagree. Really? Okay. I think the, the sky's softer. Really? Yeah. No way. It's squishier. I got, maybe you got to put mine on. I don't know, but I kind of, yeah, I feel like the Alpha Fly is, I don't, I don't feel like the Alpha Fly well, nature or whatever is soft. I Like the RC Elite is like the softest yes. to me. Yeah, I haven't tried the nature and that has the particle board kind of construction with like pieces of foam glued it together feels so it can the, change. The underfoot feels pretty similar to oh, be honest. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it felt, it feels good. Like, I mean, you're also upping your mileage so that could affect your calves. I also find though running easy days sometimes in carbon plated shoes just feels a little like i don't know off yeah which i usually don't do yeah but But you're doing nighttime flex (laughs) yeah getting it out (laughs) yeah i would just say it's cute how much you like those shoes like you're doing the you're wearing them casual trying that out i think they're one of the cooler looking shoes it definitely is a sweet looking shoe i do want to see if it like falls apart though is that what you're trying for? Are you like, going to tape the inside like Ben suggests? Tape it? He t- took a piece of electrical tape and put it on the inside. Because that's where everyone's just falling apart. Oh, is like the, the upper? Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I don't know. It seems to defeat the purpose of trash. Readability and yeah. What, yeah, and you're adding more trash to trash. <laughs> it's, it's, I, can't, I can't not think derelict. I mean, I don't, I don't really care. About, yeah, it totally is. I don't really care if it falls apart, so it's just like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but yeah, Thomas, Faster I mean, Bastards party was pretty sick. It was fun. I had a really good time. Yeah. I actually got to run with my son, Theo, so it was that was like a highlight. We, I think you might have enjoyed it more than him. Did you go closer <laughs> or further apart during, during oh, that time? Closer. <laughs> I mean, okay. he told me he, he was... He gave me a lot of love as, as his dad, which I loved. Oh, and nice. we got back, and I think he was proud that he did it. Cool. I was proud of him for doing it. Um, he does not run a lot. I was going to say, from zero to 5K, yeah. it's pretty impressive. That's It is. Yeah. I was At pretty... 13, I would have been like, heck no. <laughs> and the thing is, he's also uh, a big 13. He's five, I don't know. He's taller than me. Nine. Seven. <laughs> no, he's taller than that. Yeah. Five, nine. Yeah, yeah, I guess he is five, nine, because he's like only a little bit shorter than me. Um, he's five, nine, he's got a size 11 foot, which is bigger than mine already. And so I let him wear, uh, the Viha shoes that they sent the running ones. And, um, when he was running, I go, how do you like these shoes? 
we're on our way back. And this is only a three mile run. He goes, I, I like him a lot. Um, can we put another different insole in the inside? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the matter? Does it feel a little flat? He goes, it's just my bottom of my feet are hurting. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's why you don't run in the Veja, Veja, whatever. Know. The V-E-J-A. What the, all the moms wear to drop their kids off at school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you see it a lot on like uh, TV and stuff. I'll be watching some of it. Oh, they're wa- wearing. I mean, it's a lifestyle shoe. shoe. Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't be a running shoe. But uh, yeah, so that's, I think that would be a good review for the shoe. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just, I'm trying to ramp up my mileage because I'm getting ready for grit. grit. So the uh, last couple of days, I've just been slowly increasing my mileage. I got to start doing the thing where I slow down a little bit more though. Like I'm already like, I'm like, this is, I'm running a little too quick for yeah. high Grit high is mileage. all long, long, long grind, sl- long and slow, like a freaking crock pot with. If you want to, if you want to get through it without messing yourself up, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not looking like summer grit was great. You wash a pair of shorts, especially if you can run shirtless, pair of socks, or but winter grit, man. Unless you're Robbie, (laughs) we can get into winter clothing now. But unless you're Robbie, uh, you got to like I'm washing a jacket a day, uh, you know, tights. A merino wool. A jacket a day. That is blowing my mind. I will well, tell two you. jackets because, hi, also yeah, the Megan. one doing all the laundry. Yeah. So I'm going to say, Robbie's going to, we are having this debate in the office, and we're going to go over our winter gear stuff. But before we get into that, let's get into the laundry habits. Okay. Because if I wear, like I can even take something off after I run, I'll be like, oh, this merino wool shirt doesn't smell so bad, and I'll put it to the side. And I'll be like, I'll get another wear out of it. Mm-hmm. The second I put it on, it's like heat activated BO is like, Whoa. and okay. I'm like, oh, this wasn't, this did need a wash. And jackets, I've tried in the past to get by without that. And I don't know what it is. Either I have toxic waste coming out of my <laughs> armpits or it just smells like ass as soon as I put the, as soon as it, as soon as it, could, it reaches 98 degrees. Um, I haven't put on his gear after he's worn it, so I can't totally uh, confirm, but I believe it. I've hugged you before, and you've done the crinkle face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I but I see I fall into a similar boat as Thomas, where I I have to wash my gear after I wear it once, which is really annoying. But I can't handle the smell, even if it's just like a little bit. It smells a little dirty. Like you don't want to put that back on. And I need all the help to get out the door in the winter mornings. So let's find out what's going on at Robbie's house. I, this is like weird to me because I, if it's like the dead of summer, it's one thing. In that case, I'll wash after three times. <laughs> um, but no, no, I, uh, I, I do think, and I'm not just saying this, I, I don't sweat that much either like i really like so that's a that's a fundamental difference between us because i am a huge sweater i also sweat quite a bit like it can be dead of summer and i'll be like of course if you're running you're gonna sweat but i like i'll generally be dry like any other time i'm the i'm the person who shows up after a mile in the summer and looks like they jumped in the pool (laughs) and it's like what what did you just do yeah (laughs) that is interesting though because you know what we learned from megan's experience with cramps and all that stuff was how much salt she was losing through her sweat and the mm-hmm. fact that she was a heavy sweater was played a huge role in like figuring out you getting to sub three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that may make a difference. Because so you might be, that might be a strength of yours. Yeah. Maybe. That's a huge strength. 
Although I still cramp during marathon. Well, not so much anymore, but because I take those cramp crushers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to do it. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I, yeah, I, especially with merino wool, like in the wintertime, and we talk about our favorite gear, like my favorite is the the Tracksmith Brighton Base Layer. That's probably all our favorites. I. Um, and the turnover tights. Yeah. Are you wearing it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I and right I, I can, <laughs> sometimes I'll wear it for like two weeks. Like every that is run. insane. Wait, how me. many runs? Like ten. Ten runs, zero washing. I like I'll smell it too and be like, it literally smells like nothing. Like like if I smell it, it smells bad. I, I wash want it for sure. Robbie to roll around in our dryer to <laughs> keep our clothes fresh. Like I've I, I'll, like I'll make sure like it does. Cause you you can smell like you know even when you put on then you start running sweat and it activates and it's that's gross. what i'm saying I but it, i'm telling you it's like 10 like i can go like two weeks before that's it. insane that's insane i wore the uh, the say sky stripe shirt that we got mm-hmm. that one i wore to the party on sunday and i didn't wash it and i wore again what's that today or yesterday today today okay. And that one, I mean, I only ran three miles in it, and I wasn't really that active. It was cold that day, so I didn't really sweat in it. So that was the first time I pulled a Robbie, and just I like I remember when I was taking it off, I was like, the old well, you you, know, trick with. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't smell. And yeah. Then when I put it back on, I was like, no, it doesn't smell. Okay, so what do you do with your shirt or jacket? I hang it up. Home? I mean, it's it. It'll have a little bit of sweat on it, maybe. Okay. But like, I'll just hang it up, like on a hook or something, you know. Um, do you do you wear deodorant normally? Uh, I don't know. Usually, <laughs> you I'm, don't know that means oh, you don't. No, no, no. For life, like for, for for life for normal days. <laughs> like if you shower and get out of the shower, yeah, yeah. you put deodorant for on. sure. But like if I if I like if I get up in the morning and just go running, I'm not. I don't put on before I go running. No. I oh, mean, there I do. Are sometimes I will. Yeah. Like if I'm like woof. <laughs> yeah. I don't like if we're going to a group run. Yeah, then I'll typically like just glaze over it with a quick stripe. Yeah, I mean, let me know if I smell, but I don't think I, I have never smelled you. So I, I now I'm really surprised because I just, know I'm. I'm just have. jealous that you don't have to do laundry like we do. Yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I'm pretty. <laughs> it sounds disgusting, but I do really like. I, I'll like if I, I smell my. Running gluten it smells bad. I'm gonna watch. We've done group runs. I've never been like, oof, yeah. Robbie. There are some dudes that I've ridden bikes behind or run behind and been like, oh, oh man, dude, yeah, rinse that thing next time, yeah. Um, because you can smell that you like, especially on the bike, you get drafting behind someone, yeah. And I believe that the kit's not clean. What's your favorite running winter running gear? We kind I kind of talked about it, but. I mean, I have to say the Brighton base layer is probably like a staple. Like if I see that in my laundry in the in the winter mm-hmm. and I'm like getting dressed in the morning, it's the first thing I'm going to grab. It's just like, oh, this is clean. I'll throw uh, this is comfy. It just feels good. Yeah. It's one of those things that underneath a light shell, it can create enough warmth. And then if it cools off, if it warms up, it also for some reason doesn't feel too Hold hot. On. What temperature do you do that for? Okay, so Brighton Base Layer Light Shell. Okay, if I'm if I'm running in low forties, it's shorts, like a Brighton Base Layer, maybe a vest. Okay. Okay, so that would be one one hookup. Okay. Then if when it, do you switch from shorts to tights? Usually around the 
31 to a 3 in front of the number. Yes. If it's 38 Same. degrees? I say like under 40. I say under 35. Oh, wow. I mean, I'll get by. It, like, it's really just a couple different factors. If it's damp out. Yeah, sure. Then tights. Like this morning, it was probably 38. Mm-hmm. And I went with tights because the feel of the air with the wetness in it, because it, it had like, I don't know if rain. it rained or something. It but did. It was like so cold. And yeah. even though the temperature wouldn't suggest that I needed it, it's so damp that I yeah. went with it. You were you? you were shorts down to 35? Well, I say that, but I also wore tights this morning. Okay. And it was like 38. But it was like that cold. I don't. It just depends. Yeah. I feel like you're always wearing tights. But here's what I don't get. The... You're, you're talking about like a base layer jacket. I, I can't. I get hot, like I get so hot if I wear that above 25 degrees. Which is weird because you said you don't. Sweat. Yeah, this it's, is mind blowing. This is, yeah, this is, it's really weird because I'm like, I, I, I can never figure out when people wear jackets because I'm like. Today I was overdressed a little bit. Like I went out and I wore the Asics jacket, that really nice one. Yeah. Um, with uh, a beanie from the Eugene Marathon. That's another thing I can never wear. Yeah, it got warm. And yeah, the- see, I prefer to do like less clothing. So like, I prefer to do shorts and a long sleeve, and then have like gloves and a hat. Because if my head and my hands are warm, I feel like yeah, I'm fine. So I went running with Ben at night on Monday night. It was like 28 degrees out. I wore the the that Sea Sky Merino. Mm-hmm. It's thin merino. Yeah, and then an A6 vest over top. That's perfect. With a hat, but the hat was off within a half a mile. Oh, that's like insane. so hot. So and then, are you? Do you? All your sweat must come out of your head. Maybe that could be. Instead of your armpits. I will say, like, yeah, I can. Remember, I was like, "Why? Who wears winter caps?" And you were like, "It's just." And I, so I think I'm abnormal. Yeah, you are because the winter, like, but I also I got such a tiny pea head. And I think a lot of heat comes out of it. The reverse beanie that we had that everybody's like, this is too hot. I'm like, this thing is amazing. I love this That's thing. the one. I was like, this is the dumbest thing invented. Cause it's You're like, cooking your brain. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a green mile in here. Yeah. And then I also love, you know, I have a collection of gloves. You have finger gloves. And then I like the pullover mitten glove. And then when it's real cold, I like the mitten mitten gloves and, and i i just asked for a pair of those for christmas you did mm-hmm. from whom santa claus yeah so probably not gonna get here yeah i do even though they're the wrong size one time tracksmith sent us the oh, polar yeah. fleece glove that you put the shell over the top mm-hmm. if it is cold that is my favorite it's too big on me but i don't care because i'll just uh, like be look looking nice. like i got flippers running down the harbor someone um trail runner that we know put said that there's like these carhartt mittens that you can get on amazon big has them do yeah they're like the best ever they are and they're like 25 bucks yeah. yeah uh my i think my mom actually gifted them to me a couple years ago and yeah when it's real cold like i i love winter running except for my hands being cold because they like hurt yeah and so we, when we were running two days ago we ran together and you were like my hands hurt do your hands hurt i'm like no I have bad circulation, so like my fingers are the first thing that like goes. So anyway, those mittens are money, and okay. I suggest them to everyone. Sweet. So hopefully yeah. those show up. I really feel like there's only one month I need that stuff though. That's February in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes it will get into the teens. February is just gross here. Yeah. Good thing we're going to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
Um, yeah, I wonder, is there anything else like, I will say the vest thing, that's, I've never really done that before. Mm. I love it. Vest is the greatest. It's great. The new rabbit vest, did you get that? Uh, no, he got the jacket oh. version. Jack, no, it's upstairs. Yeah. That vest is sweet. The yeah. vest is sweet. I Anything that I really like, it as long as it can block the wind in the front and it's kind of open in the back, mm-hmm. it's, it's money. You can really get away with that a vest in almost any temperature. If you've got good gloves, yeah. bright base layer, and a vest over the top, you're yeah. solid. I've got good ones from Asics. I've got good ones from North Face that I like. Uh, yeah. And now the rabbit one. All right. So for winter running, get yourself a Brighton base layer and a vest and some mittens. A I guess variation of mittens. All right, first tip. It's the holidays. So just try to enjoy these runs as maybe some quiet time away from the family, you know, to get it get your head straight so that when you're with everybody, you can enjoy that time more. Get out and enjoy this run. I guess we didn't really talk about shoes, but winter running shoes? My feet run hot. Yeah. I feel like I just wear whatever. Yeah. I mean, some people like I guess with grip, maybe outsole coverage. Puma makes a good grip. Puma grip. There was nothing to help today because like it, it, the water had frozen on the bridges. Yeah. So oh, like if done. you, we, you know how it's like you go over the woods like from brick to yeah. wood, and all the bridges had like, it was almost weird. Like if you ran where it looked wet, you're fine. If uh-huh. you ran where it looked dry, it was that thin oh, yeah. ice. And like you saw, like I came down. I'm going my regular pace, and I hit that, and I'm like all. That's slide. when you and just, then I look at the other direction. There's someone running the other way. And they're all. <laughs> that's when you just stop your uh, run and try to get a America's Funniest Videos million dollar winner. Oh. <laughs> sit there, post stuff with your phone. You could have, man. It was. I it actually was had dangerous. a runner come in the opposite way, say, "Hey, be careful up there. It's oh, wow. real that's, icy." Did you do that for a runner? People are looking out. It's nice. What, what other shoes are cool for winter running? Well, as far as grip goes, we we said Puma, Puma grip. That Nordis shoe would be a good one. I think you know it's weird. Even the flat uh, Adidas, like even on the like the Takumi Sen, that grip on that continental rubber uh, is true. so mm-hmm. true, true, so sweet. I feel like that's a good one. It's such a weird concept. It's like completely smooth, but it's as it, grippy as anything you can. Do. It's, it's counterintuitive. I ordered a pair. Well, I ordered the same bike tires that you have, Megan. Or I asked for that for Christmas too. Nice. Those are Continental. Again, who are you asking? Because you have a job at this point. Do you guys? My mom always asks. Okay, she's so like, you guys do do gifts. Santa. Yeah. Well, my mom's okay. like, "What do you want for Christmas?" And I'm like, "I don't know because I don't really need much." And then I'm like, "Here, just here's some things." Yeah. Megan and I are just like, "Do you want to exchange gifts for each other?" And we're like, "No, it's too much thought." <laughs> this. Yeah. Whatever. Well, Kimmy's like usually like one or two things. Like we'll just do that. Got her. Wait, yeah, she you might listen. She, to this. she won't let Christmas Eve. She'll listen to this. She might. Tell me what she got, and let's find out. <laughs> she, I, she knows what she's getting because it's like the, what she asked for, just like running shoes and. Ah, nice. So um, is Kimmy getting back into the jam? No, just like whenever she goes, she sells like Brooks Launch Four, and she's like, "I love these shoes." So I'm like, "Well, I'm not getting you the Brooks Launch Seven because it's a horrible shoe." She is like the opposite of our general audience. That is like, I want to switch the shoe every. I want to know what's new, what's coming out. Kimmy's like, just re-up, right? She's that normal runner. Yeah. I the person who that... finds something they like, and then they just buy that forever. Yeah, this works fine. Like, she hated the React Infinity, um, which I get. Like, it's a Speaking weird Speaking of that being one of your favorite shoes, I feel like... The... Not the not the React, the React Infinity. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, speaking of 
the React though, the first mm-hmm. one. I am getting React vibes from the Nimbus Light Three. I could get, I could see that. I think I compared it a little bit in the like last year's version. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't know why, but it's just that I think the foam this feels similar. Yeah, and just the simplicity of it. I I, I get that lightweight. Um, but yeah, I mean, so brands for winter gear that I mean, I think. It's funny because Rabbit was on the West Coast, so for the longest time they didn't even have a jacket. Right. But they have some long sleeve stuff that's pretty decent. Yeah, I mean. I love their new tights. The vest. Yeah, the tights are good. I actually got a hoodie right now. I'm wearing their hoodie. I got their base layer. Actually, two of them that I love. Yeah, all their stuff's really good right now. What about you? Did you try the tights yet? Uh, I... It, they're the same ones from last year, I think, and I wore I did wear them on that night. I don't run. remember them having a pocket last they had, year. Yeah, they okay, had one. they did. So I wore them the other night actually. They're they're good. Yeah. Um, that jacket though is, I forget what it's called. Oh, gosh, it's called like the Gator Done or something. It's not that. It's get whatever. Look it up. It's yeah. their new jacket. <laughs> it's that thing's like toasty, legit, and very thin and light. Very thin. It's like a micro fleece, but I I wore it uh, to ride. Uh, bikes to my kids school is like 30 degrees out You're and fine. with like one layer underneath it's great and and you won't have to wash it after yeah forever Tra- tracksmith is always solid for winter gear mm-hmm. i mean born in the northeast their stuff's we know their stuff's expensive but i will say i tell people that the bright base layer and turnover toys are worth like twice as much as they are because like, they last forever for how long yeah, you, yeah. how much usage I, you get out of my them? bright and base layer i have one yeah. That is probably close to, I don't know, six or seven years old. It's crazy. And I, I still, I they sent me the same color, <laughs> in, in the one I had already. Yeah. And I can't tell the difference between the two. And one of them's brand new, and one right. of them's like six, seven years old. Yeah, and that's like you can wear that with anything too. Like if you just are going camping or hanging out, skiing, whatever, like you can just wear that all yeah. the time. Actually, I would, I would totally use it as a base layer for skiing. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. What other brands are we uh, looking at for winter gear stuff? Um, I'm trying to think of like, I mean, that's mostly. I love my A6 jackets. A6 jackets are very solid. Um, surprisingly, like because you wouldn't think of them as like apparel brand, but they do. No. Make some good if stuff. you wanted to know what the my jacket was stuff. called, your rabbit, it's called Letter Zip hoodie. Letter, Letter Zip. <laughs> I was thinking Gator <laughs> Run. Gator done. I'm wearing their <laughs> Mister Hood right now, and their. Cocoon base layer I wore the other day is great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I will say, I think Rabbit makes the most comfortable clothes. It's like you're wearing pajamas like all the time. One I always forget is Under Armour. Yeah. They do make good winter Their gear. winter stuff is top notch. I will say that is true. Like before, like people get upset because they don't have a decent running shoe right now. But the, the clothing it, is so solid and... The winter running gear is awesome. Um, you forget about it. See, that's a problem. Like when it, I like it when you have clothing companies like Rabbit that don't make shoes, so you can wear their gear with any shoe that you're wearing. Because I hate mixing the brands. And then, um, like Tracksmith, no shoe. Yeah. Yeah. For now. Um, and so, like, I feel like it's church and state. You can wear, you know, the. <laughs> the tracksmith clothes with any yeah. any running shoe and it works but um uh i forgot one more 
Nike Shield tights. Mm. I've had a pair of those for like five or six years, and I wear. I'll still wear those. The waist on those can get weird on me. Really, I have one pair that I swear I get plumber's crack as soon as I start running. (laughs) That's how I feel with every Jonji tight I wear. Okay, because their size a little too small. I feel like if they don't have a waistband, then it's it's just a gamble. Mm. Another one I love, a little more expensive as well, is North Face. Yeah. Like get North Face jackets. Oh my god! Yeah, you want a solid rain jacket for running? That one that we got that's in the winter guide. I love that thing. Um, I love my vest. I have a vest that never came to market. They sent it to us, and it never um, ended up being something they carried. It's probably one of the best. It. I don't know why they didn't make it. It's so lightweight. It has the thinnest, like um, you know. It's funny. I didn't like it. <laughs> I gave mine away. But what um, what was the difference? It just didn't fit right. Oh. You know one that she loves that uh, is weird. What she has a short sleeve North Face jacket. Yeah, we've talked oh, about that right. one before. Yeah. It's a rain jacket. We might be getting some Arcteryx stuff in, which would be pretty sweet. Nice Arcteryx running because I didn't even know they're making running gear. So. Oh, they have for a long time. Well, <laughs> they just don't. They just don't send it. They're like, we're making enough money without this. Oh, by the way. This episode oh, yeah. is sponsored by Gooder. I haven't even taken things off these. Oh. Oh, yeah. You know, all these crazy stylings. What's the... Wait, so... Oh, How did you the, put it on your head? Someone has a tropical pair. You do. I have a tropical pair. I have an insane... Mine look like lemonade. Pair. I forgot that this doesn't go over head under. Yeah. I don't headphones. understand how you guys can't figure this out. You just loosen this little... Is your head abnormally sized? It yeah, is. Yeah, he's it got is. a tiny head. There you go. Just put it over. Yeah, just put it over um, but yeah, so if you use code Believe fifteen, you get fifteen percent off Gooders, which is like I think you you might even be, they might be paying you at that point because yeah. they're so cheap. Yeah, they're they're so so affordable, and uh, they don't bounce. Nope, they don't slip. And if you lose them off the side of a boat or something, you're not crying too hard because you're usually paying around twenty five to thirty five bucks for them. But you're but contributing to plastic waste in the ocean if you lose them off the side of a boat. I do like <laughs> mine that look like pink lemonade here. Yeah, style. Very drinkable. And the cool thing is they've got a ton of different styles and different colors, so you're find bound to find one face. you like. Yeah. yeah, Aviators, the circle ones. Uh, I don't know. Robbie likes the circle ones. ones. Circle ones are my favorite, the circle Gs. Yeah. I lost like every... <laughs> I lost... I had like three pairs of those. Gone. It's because you don't... You, you're like, eh, I can get another pair. You don't care as much, but... But also, you know, you just like if those were your uh, expensive article ones, you'd that's be why like I have that leash. On, I have that leash on them because I'm like, I will lose these if yeah. I don't put them around my neck at all times. Anyways, Anyways the code, I'm gonna say it for you real slow. The code is believe fifteen. Wait, no, you had to make him say it. Yeah. He said he was gonna say it. Be honest, but then I thought I said, he forgot it. No, I said real slow. Wow, that was you guys didn't give me enough time. Okay, believe. 15. Megan mouthed that when I said it. I, I just want to be like, get it out. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's good enough. All right, so this week's interview is with Nick Willis, who is going for his 20th uh, straight year running a four-minute mile, sub-four-minute mile. That's insane. By the way, I messed that up literally first sentence in the interview. Because <laughs> I was like, say? I said 19 because I was... Yeah. I was just like kind of nervous. You did this one solo. Yeah. Was was little, it, did it feel like without a net? Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. I mean, I prepared like a lot for it because I was like, I need to have stuff to fall back on. So, <laughs> But I, I will say um, 
in it we talk about the tracksmith midnight mile that was supposed to be happening on new year's eve at the armory Brandon was going to be there yeah brandon was going to go up to the armory in new york city so because of the omicron you know what drives me nuts is some people put an n in there and say omicron i've heard that omicron i'm like get your freaking variants right people um, now i'm gonna start calling omicron yeah um but anyways, so it's canceled. You can't go, but there, he's still going to do the attempt, like with his Isn't training. Isn't Omicron partners. a Greek alphabet letter? It is, but people just are dumb because there's no Omicron in the Greek alphabet. No, <laughs> it's like saying there's an Alphna instead of mm. Omega or a Beta. Beta. Anyways, we uh, yeah. So enjoy the enjoy this episode. Don't is this your first solo? Now. Is this your first solo? Interview? Yeah. All right, people, get excited. You're getting the very first dun 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 dun, dun, dun Robbie solo interview. All right, Nick, welcome to the show. Excited to talk to you today. Hey Robbie, thanks for having me, man. Should be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we have a lot to cover today. Um, most importantly, I would say the uh, you have a little bit of a challenge coming up here. It's, we're going for the nineteenth uh, year in a row running a four minute mile. I I hate to be one to correct, but I, I have 20th? done nineteen already. Okay, um, but Sorry. I'm not content there. It just seemed like an odd number to sort of stop on, right? So. One yeah. more year to like make it a nice round twenty, so that's the goal. All right, cool. Yeah, you would think I would have had that correct in my notes here, but hey, I'm not perfect. Um, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about that because we're, you're doing it with Tracksmith. Who you're? What's your role with them now? Is it the athlete experience manager? Is that is that correct? Now I'm trying to work my way to getting a new um, official title here. They just made <laughs> that one up when I first started off, but no, it's okay. good. Like. I initially start off primarily working with our elite athletes and I'm trying to be a lot more cross-functional and we're a startup so you get to do a lot of different things anyway but one of my primary roles also is helping oversee our events that sort of branch of the brand as well and so in addition to racing this event I'm helping manage the the project of getting this event underway so I'm like okay. attacking it from two prongs like all then in my office getting that done and then I gotta go <laughs> off to training and make sure that works out as well and it's it's a healthy balance though because if I work too hard I'm not going to train well and so there's that um yeah I got to make sure I I take care of things at both ends so that that's a lot of fun but yeah we have got two weeks and a couple of days to go if um, I don't know when this is being put out there but from from perspective when this is being recorded um yeah I've I've got just over two weeks until the race and so. That seems like a long time from a running standpoint but <laughs> when i've got my event organizer head on it's like it's crazy right now in well, a good way like there's there's lots of stuff going on right but then you also have the holidays and everything else and all that going on as well so <laughs> yeah shipping things ordering product all of the physical assets that we need done and at the armory in new york city you have to get it out early because there's so many holdups and logistics right now as well so yeah right. it, it's a really good learning experience for me so i'm excited and the midnight mile gala is gonna be something for everybody i hope so yeah that that's that's what makes it worth putting in all this time so in case people listening don't know exactly what we're talking about it's the tracksmith's uh midnight mile gala which is on new year's eve and you've 
as you said, you've done 19 sub four minute miles, uh, 19 years in a row, and you're going for your 20th year. So at the stroke of midnight, we're going to have you go off and try to get number 20 under your belt since it'll be technically 2022. And uh, leading up to that attempt, we'll have a bunch of different races, mile races throughout the evening. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It's a gala first. It's a New Year's Eve party. We're going to have a beer garden and a DJ, some live performers. We're going to have a dance floor after the race and have a good old time, which happens to also have some track races as a background and as a way to get like-minded people together, right? Um, And so people can can race, they can watch or do both. We've got showers there. But um, we're going to have kids races earlier in the evening, sort of 8 o'clock-ish. Nice. Then community races in the 9 o'clock hour, all of the different sort of time slots, 4.35, 5.30, up to 7.30 miles. And then we're going to have a series of sort of competitive miles. The top high school milers in the country are going to be there, the women's. The high school girls mile has got the three girls who made the Olympic trials last year. Um, so that would be a really good showdown for them. And the boys' high school mile is really good. And then for the pro races... It's a little early for the pros to really put their name on the line and um, go after a fast time <laughs> that early in the year. But so what we're going to do is have elimination miles. That's sort of this unique oh. concept where after each lap, the person who's in last place gets eliminated from the race until it's whittled down to two or three at the end, and then they battle it out for the for the prize at the end. So that'll be it. It's just a way to have a good time, right? Um, yeah. And then my race, where I'm trying to do this time, is sort of an exhibition at the end of things. Um, so then the after party starts, so that that's really oh, yeah. a good time. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a pretty awesome New Year's Eve party. I'm not gonna lie, and this is open to the public, right? It's like you can buy tickets for it and show up, and uh, I think they have some like VIP options and things like that. Yeah, it's a fundraising gala, but we want to have it accessible for everybody, right? And we've got mm-hmm. overheads, and we're trying to raise money for a foundation, so we. It's, it's not free entry. Well, it is for kids, though, because that's what our foundation is all about, is youth participation <laughs> awesome. and track. Um, but $50 entry for general admission, and you have access to the beer garden and concessions to like take care of your hydration and <laughs> consumption needs that evening. And then from the VIP standpoint, or for our gala um, guests, then they'll have access to a more elevated experience with hors d'oeuvres and open bar and all of that sort of stuff, and maybe full access to the infield and different areas. Um, but ultimately we're just here to like celebrate running, celebrate the sport and, um, both raise awareness and funds for the newly formed Tracksmith Foundation. Um, yeah, I can share a bit about that as well in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for, for your race, are you going out by yourself? For the attempt, or are you going to have a rabbit or anything like that, or what's the? No, if I went by myself, I'd run like four or seven. I'm <laughs> a terrible front runner. I just okay. can't relax for some reason. I'm fortunate that two of my training partners are two of the best runners in America. Um, Hobbs Kessler is the high school oh, yeah. record holder in the fifteen hundred and mile. For he's sure. going to be the first rabbit, and he's also going to pace make the high school race as well for a workout. Oh wow. Him. And then the second pacemaker is Mason Furlick, who ran the steeplechase for the U.S. at the Olympics. Sure. Um, and I'm going to be tucking on to back of them. And then we've got three other guys in the race as well who I have been training with this fall, none of whom have broken four minutes yet, but are, like, knocking on the door. So this is a chance for them to, to see oh, how close cool. they can get to four minutes as well. That'd be cool to maybe get the next uh, street quarter started. 
during that race. <laughs> well, Hobbs has got a streak going already, but yeah, he, he's what's got his, another 19 years to go. What's his streak at right now? He's at one. One. Because he did okay. it in 2021, right? And so yep. when he does it in 2022, he'll be at two. But he's All a lot right. younger. He's only 18. Exactly. So he's got some I time. was 19 when I did my first one. Yeah. Man, does that seem like a... Like, did that just seem like a lifetime ago to you now looking back on it? You forget how long you've been doing it until you go... Like, I was at a college meet the other week. I went to one of these new... They have these indoor meets the first week of December. Now a lot of kids want to get a taste for the indoor track season before the Christmas holidays. And I went along to one to race. I ran in the seed heat for the 800 in Grand okay. Valley State University. It was awesome. I was like the energy, the atmosphere, all of that. But then you walk around and you realize, wow, I was one of these kids and I was running at a high level back then. <laughs> like that feels like a total world away before I had kids, before I was family, before I had a yeah. family in a house and like adulthood and all of that sort of stuff. So that was the sort of the, the real coming home moment for me. Do you feel like, you know, you said you trained with Hobbs Kessler and Mason Furlick and obviously they're basically half your age at this point. Um, is that an interesting dynamic training with, you know, basically kids at this point? Yeah, it's so much fun because, like, I learn so much from the younger people, like, especially technology and social media and all <laughs> that sort of stuff. I realize not that I really fully understand what's going on, but I'm way all more, I'm far more clued into that world than all of my peers from high school back home because right. they'd moved on from that. They were never really part of that generation. They're like, almost millennials almost not right we we're born early 80s yeah um, so i feel like i've been able to stay young through my training partners all my life i've never trained with an 18 year old before as a pro but they've always sort of been that 23 to 30 year old range so hobbs is like he's this this fresh little um kid coming <laughs> along and yeah but he's got this youthful enthusiasm and he can he can take the take the jokes as well as dish them out as well so that's what um, keeps it honest and his, da his dad's down there as our training partner not as the dad but we're friends with Hobbs's dad before we ever knew Hobbs so oh, cool. we, we like um, we team up with his dad to make fun of Hobbs <laughs> that's awesome um yeah I think one of the things I kind of wanted to get to it with that as well is what do you attribute to your longevity in you know keeping this streak alive or just your running career in general because like a lot of yeah. at this point especially with a lot of our shorter distance runners you know it's kind of moved on to do other things and you know aren't taking on many new challenges so yeah i think there are so many different factors and like the most recent one obviously there's a lot of physical reasons but the most recent one why i'm still excited to run the mile and that i I'm able to do it at a fairly high level is because I have these younger guys to hang out with every day. Like that's a big part of my social life, especially during the pandemic, like running oh, was yeah. one of the few things you could do socially. Right. <clears throat> and so getting together with the very nice track club, my training partners, like five nights a week and all of the peripheral people that hang around that, like it's a really good time. We have so much fun, not just at the track, but when we go to the gym, we crank the music hard. We've got a basketball hoop there, a table tennis table. Like we go in there <laughs> for an hour and have like, it's a blast. Um, and there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And so 
I'd much rather be a participant in that lifestyle rather than just a coach observing it. And then naturally, like, because I have the physical ability anyway, it's keeping me able to do that faster twitch stuff. Had yeah. I, if I was living in Kansas City and I didn't know anyone else around and there were just some people to go for jogs with, sure, I'd have no choice but to become a marathoner or a 10K runner because it's <laughs> really hard to, like, do all of that ancillary training required for the mile. But when it's part of your sort of social opportunity, that just is automatic. It takes care, care of itself. Secondly, I've also started picking up more social sports in the last couple of years as well. I've taken oh, nice. a few more risks. So okay. I, I got back into skateboarding. I got back into playing basketball. And I think nice. those elements actually, thank, thankfully, I haven't picked up the really dangerous injuries or like the ACL <laughs> tears or that sort of that stuff. Right. But it's actually made my body more well-rounded and I'm, I'm almost more resilient to normal occurring running injuries because I'm doing things in a more 360-degree directional movement and I'm uh, sort of activating my fast twitch all the time. Playing double-header basketball games on a Monday night, like, it's exhausting, but you're like, when you get back on the track, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I have my speed under me again because I've been like activating my fast twitch a couple of times yeah. a week playing basketball, right? I remember um, a couple years ago, I was playing some pickup basketball games as well, and then um, doing. But I remember the one this one time, I just randomly like jumped in a flag football game, and I was running, you know, a decent amount, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be fine." But the next day after that, holy cow! I mean, uh -huh. just everything hurt because it's and you're not used to using those muscles as much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this was a planned, like, season where we're in a proper league with referees right, and everything right. we have seen. <laughs> so, like, I took my weight training really seriously. But it was even before the Tokyo Olympics, I knew that I had this basketball season coming up in the fall. So I need to, like, spend three months in the gym to get my body ready for it so I didn't have injuries. And that was <laughs> the, the motivation I needed. But it's actually helping my running as well, right? And, um... So yeah, we, we all were pretty careful to make sure that we weren't going to have any issues um, sure. that would screw up our running as well. <clears throat> and you said you're skateboarding as well? Yeah, a little less the last six months. Um, last <laughs> year during the pandemic, me and my sons went down to the skate park every day and like I love nice. my skateboarding. I did it all the way through my childhood. My, but um, when we went again this spring after the winter break, we were snowboarding, skiing in the winter we went to the skate park once in April and I was cruising around. I was like, man, it's the Olympic year. It's robbed me of the fun. I can't have fun out here anymore. Cause I knew that like, if I got injured, like I'd regret it. Right. Whereas the previous year, I almost like loved the like risk element. I almost liked the fact that there was a chance I could get injured. It was like <laughs> a feeling I hadn't had the ability to enjoy in the last 20 years as a runner. Cause you're like always worried about the risk of getting right. injured, but I love that thrill. Um, but yeah, once, once we get better weather again, I'll hopefully get to get onto the park a little bit more. Nice. Was it exciting for you to see skateboarding make, make it to the Olympics this year? Yeah, I was sort of caught in between. Like, what I really love about skating is that it's a more of a creative and, like... I'm with you. It's not bound by rules and referees and coaches and all of those things, which, like, are good in sport. But I think it really balances out, like, for an individual... I think as someone who played team sports and did running, skating was a really good way for me to like 
not become too obsessed with those elements of like the structure of sport. It, it was a really healthy way to still experience a physical endeavor. And that's what I'd encourage for my kids. So if skating becomes too rigid, and I know a lot of skaters there were like felt that was part of the challenge with a lot of these young kids from Japan that were coming away with all of the medals, like Japan really approached skating more like a professional sport where they yeah. have coaches and structures and systems and like, there wasn't that like just love for it that you've just discovered on your own. If you go and listen to um, some of the skating podcasts, like it's such incredible background stories that drove these people to be choosing the sport. It's sort of like listening to background stories of like WWE yeah. wrestlers, how their journey to oh, get yeah. to that point. It's incredible. Whereas like hearing runners stories or other sports, it sometimes can be pretty boring. It's like, well, my dad got me into it and then I got a coach and then I just <laughs> right. did this every year. Right. I will say, yeah, there are so many, I think that's one of the great things about skateboarding. I feel like we talk about skateboarding this podcast all the time, which I love by the way, cause I used to skate as well and sometimes still do, but oh, cool. so, you know, the nine club and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, I think that's one of the great things about skateboarding is that because it's such a creative and open-ended sport, uh, it's you can really come from any background and get to it and even different athletic skills like you can have someone that's super technical like street stuff like rodney mullen or some of the new some of the stuff kids are doing these days is mind-blowing um some of the things i see on instagram or you can have like huge big air skaters like tony hawk or you know um bob burnquist and stuff like that but it's it's just really cool. I that's one of the aspects I always loved about skateboarding is that it's so creative and you can kind of approach it from so many different angles. Yeah, and so I'm trying to figure out does is there a way for us in the running world to be able to sort of carve out our own niche and and maybe it's not in the racing sense, but the way that we sort of just enjoy it. Like I love to trail run, even though I'm a middle distance runner. Some people love yeah. to hammer workouts or hit the roads like and so can you express that and motivate and inspire people without it always being this like rah 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 look at me on instagram or youtube but still using those platforms as a mm -hmm. way to build those communities and like encourage and inspire and motivate i mean do you feel like trail running is kind of like that i feel like there's some aspects of trail running that in embrace that sort of creative especially uh with like fkts and things like that yeah, I honestly don't know anything about the trail running world. Like, I've <laughs> never, like, paid attention to, like, the actual, like, community that it does. All I know is that I love to trail run. Like, all of my mileage I try and do on trails and single track. But I, oh. I don't know about it as this sort of, like, sort of pu publicized lifestyle. So that that's something I'll be interested to learn about once I'm out of this sort of competitive yeah. side of track running. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think if you do get to start getting into that, I think that's one of the great things about trail running in the same way that, uh, that you're talking about the background stories. Um, there's so many crazy, like, background stories of trail running. And it, especially there's longer distances, there's this certain attraction almost for, you hear a lot of stories where it's like people who have struggled with things in the past, whether it's addiction or, you know, family issues growing up where it's super attractive to run these longer distances. Their escape and like mm -hmm. processing all of that. The one thing I'm always curious about, like when you associate the idea of trail running, it's always these like super long, like adventure type things. Whereas I'm sort of caught between like, 
I think of trail running as being technical and like skill based and fast twitch like requirements. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'd love to see more like really short trail races. Like why can't we have a one mile trail race that's super right. technical? Like you'd have some gnarly crashes and people would like get cuts yeah. all up, but it'd be super entertaining, right? It'd be like border cross and snowboarding I love for, it. on running trails. But like so yeah do we always have to go to the i i'm not against the ultra stuff i just sure. would be terrible at it because my body's made up of too many fast twitch <laughs> i love that idea and i think that's something that um uh, in the same way that i feel like marathons dominated over the last you know 10 to 15 years very popular in the us i i feel like it's gonna come back and you're starting to see a little bit the shorter distances mile races things like that i mean fair enough the midnight mile um, I think you'll maybe start to see that become more attractive to runners as like a new challenge. Yeah. The risk of injury might be that, well, runners get injured all the time though. They just don't like <laughs> the idea of like an immediate injury from yeah. like gashing their leg on a rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Runners are going to, if you're doing a marathon, they're going to get injured at some point and then try to run through it. <laughs> all right. Second check-in you're out here feels good. I don't know about you, but I tend to indulge a little bit in the, the foods, the drinks, everything around the holiday. So the fact that you're out here getting something done, you know, burning some calories, even if you're not really enjoying the cold weather or anything, still great you're out here. And maybe, I know you shouldn't trade running calories for food calories, but maybe in this case, it's all right. Maybe grab that donut. Maybe have that extra glass of wine. Well, speaking of them, speaking of shorter distances, one thing I did want to ask you was, uh, you know, we, we talked to a, a lot of marathoners and longer distance runners on the podcast, and we do have some track athletes as well, but you obviously have done well with training for the mile race and specializing in that distance or the 1500. Um, what are some, like tips you could give somebody who's trying to get a PR in the mile or wants to get faster at their shorter distances, but specifically a mile. Cause that's always one of those things like how fast can you run a mile? And people just ask you that, you know? And I feel like that's always a challenge that as marathoners, sometimes we put on the shelf and make, might come back to it like on the, in the off season or something like that. But what are some like training tips or guidance you can give on that? Well, first I'd say is, don't be scared of the short distance because you're doing lots of volume. Like volume is still your friend for all elements of running from the mile on up. How, um, how many miles a week do you run? Yeah. So at the peak of my career, I was running 90 miles a week for the oh, probably 70% wow. of the year. And I know Jakob Ingebrigtsen who just won the Olympic gold medal in the 1500. Mm -hmm. He runs like 110. Um, so like, most world-class milers are running a lot more mileage than your everyday marathoner who sure. are probably averaging <laughs> 70 to 80 miles a week, right? To, for mm -hmm. like serious marathon training. Right. Um, the, the, the way we train versus an elite marathon runner only really varies in our recovery days because we want to like back, back off right like before a really intense workout so we can get some more quality out of it. Um, but in terms of the actual volume of the, the days of the workouts and the long runs is, is pretty similar. Uh, I think the main thing is like anytime you come back from an injury as a distance runner, you know, okay, 
if I want to get up to a certain number of miles a week, I can't do that in the first week, can I? It takes you a good two months to build that gradual progression until your body sure. can handle 100 miles a week. You're not going to be able to go from zero to hero <laughs> right away, otherwise you'll get a stress fracture. The exact same thing applies for speed or any movement. You have to give your body about two months gradual adaptation to be able to do whatever that movement or demand that you're going to put on your joints or your muscles. Um, and so if your desire is to run some really fast 200 meter intervals, what's the two month progression that's the equivalent of the adding one mile a day per week of that? You have to like break it down into those segments so that there's these, these, these incremental steps to that point. And it generally starts in the weight room. The weight oh, room okay. is your biggest friend for like introducing power and fast twitch activation without the same impact that you're going to experience when you're hitting the ground with force. There's there's a lot of studies out there that the faster you run, the amount of force that you're putting through the ground and through your joints is exponential as you go faster oh, wow. and faster. So there's a lot more risk for injury going at a higher pace because of the force being put through your joints. But you can like build up a tolerance to that. The human body's incredible at building up tolerance. As sure. you know from these ultra marathoners can like tolerate <laughs> stuff that you'd never think is possible. Same thing from a power and like impact standpoint. So long as you like put in the foundations in the weight room and then you'll slowly do the equivalent as you start adding in skips and then you start adding in easy strides and then slightly faster strides and then you might start doing some intervals in the middle of runs. You might want to start doing a few intervals at the end of runs until you're ready to actually like do an actual full blown interval workout. You yeah. don't have to just go, okay, I want to run a mile. So I'm going to go do an interval workout out of the track. You could do that, but there's a greater risk that you will end up pulling a hamstring, hurting your Achilles or any of those different things. You probably won't do those things, but why risk like it when you're not? I feel yeah. like you're literally like speaking into like, this is what's <laughs> so I have been marathon training and I, I had a hamstring issue for the last couple of years. So I had been hesitant to like come back to doing speed work. I just been like keeping it generally just running basically the last couple of years, especially through COVID since there wasn't much going on. And I found myself like starting to do more speed work. I was like eager to do more speed work. Cause my hamstrings are feeling good. And then I jump into it and like, probably too hard like going out and doing like you know 800 repeats and stuff like that and i found you know a couple weeks ago my achilles like flared up like after one of those like pretty intense workouts and i'm like now it's kind of just like lingering around in the background and <laughs> like i really should have gradually like increased it to that point as you're saying so, I mean, it's interesting to hear, you know, because I, I think as marathon runners, we always think about increasing your weekly mileage, you know, 10% or yeah. always told that, but there's never much guidance as far as like how to do that for speed work. It's the exact same principle, not just for speed work, but any form of increasing load. Load can be in volume or intensity, just any sort of increase in load on your body. Um, and so you just got to give yourself about a two month period to like get yourself to that point and you can handle some pretty, um, challenging things. Um, yeah, I think 
Yeah, the sneaky way to do it though, and this is probably the old school way, if you really don't want to go to the weight room or like have to think <laughs> about it or plan it out too meticulously that way, huh. is to basically don't do any workouts but switch the terrain that you run on. If okay. you go on really hilly terrain and you, as your fitness will dictate how this happens, but you will end up naturally doing fart legs where you push the uphills and you recover on the downhills. Makes sense. And if you're really careful about how you run the downhills, you're getting eccentric loading on the downhills and that's strengthening right. all your fibers in your tissue because eccentric loading is really crucial for building that foundational strength. Sure. And then on the uphills, you're getting the concentric loading and you're activating the fast twitch. And then if you do that and as you get fitter and fitter, you can do that at a faster and faster pace. And then once you fi you're finally ready to hit the track, your body is so resilient and strong, it can handle everything anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. That makes total sense. So when you're talking about the weight room, like what are you talking about as far as workouts or, you know, reps to, to get you into shape for speed work? I personally like to just have as much fun as I can in a weight room because <laughs> then I'm more likely to go more consistently. But basically I, I eventually aim to go as heavy a weight as possible that I can do safely. And I'll, I'll build that up over a two month period and low number of reps. Um, but I'll also do the foundational core stuff to sort of give me this. So when people talk about like lots of reps when they're lightweight, I'll do that for my foundational core stuff, whether it be my actual core, my abs or my glutes or my hips or that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'll do lots of reps for that on lightweight. But when I'm actually <clears throat> trying to really activate my fast twitch, that's when I'm in the rack and I'm doing like proper squats or lunges or different things with <clears throat> weight well above my body weight. And I'll only do, I'll do as little as four reps on something and really careful stuff. And that's when I'm going to get hyped up for. Um, and so I, I find that balance there. Okay. Gotcha. And then like how many times a week how, do you go to the weight room or lift weights? We go twice a week and we always do it on the same day that we do a uh, intense training day. Oh, okay. So if we will do our, our running workout in the morning, we'll go to the, the one thing I like about going to the weight room is that it's the one workout you can do after eating a lot of food you can't <laughs> yeah, right. go for a run after eating two burritos, right? Yeah. So, um, we, we make it as an evening hangout time on a nice. Wednesday and Sunday night. Um, and it's, yeah, instead of watching TV, we go to the gym with a bunch of mates and crank like the music. It. And the, the reason why we do it on the same day as a workout day running wise is then it doesn't eat into our recovery time mm -hmm. because the next day needs to be a recovery day after a hard running workout. Sure. If you lift on that day, then you've lost that recovery benefit anyway. Right. And so I try, I'd rather double down on the challenge of that. Obviously you know, as, even as you grow older, I think we all know, I think we're around the same age. Um, I'm 39. So I think we're fairly close. Yeah. We're right um, on. Okay. Yeah. I think everybody knows that we start to feel it a little bit more and things like that. And you've obviously done a pretty good job of staying healthy. Now the one I know, uh, about 10, was it 10 or 11 years ago? You, you did run into some issues where you had knee surgery. I, is that correct? Yeah, I've actually had a ton of injuries in my career. Um, oh, okay. I've had five surgeries. So really? I had my knee meniscus done twice. 
2000 and right, 2009, 2011, I've had a hip labral tear surgery. That was the most challenging and invasive one. What's, was so what is that? Rehab. What's that? What is that? So what is that surgery? So they have to, they put you out and then they pull your whole um, femur and the hip out of the hip socket. Then they have to like reattach the labrum there Whoa. and then they put it back in. And so there's so many tissues oh, yeah. and fibers that are like damaged through that process just to be able to access that. Um, so that was in 2009. Um, I had a sports hernia more recently and I can't, maybe I've only had four surgeries. Um, <laughs> I like that you've lost count of them. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the thing. And I've had seven or six um, stress fractures where I've had to miss three or four months recovering Whoa. from those and then several micro tears in my um, peronus longus muscle, the one on the outside Ooh, of your yeah. shin. Right, that was this, almost the same recovery time as a stress fracture and then lots of little smaller ones. So throughout most of my career, there was stuff happening like that. It's actually the last five years that I've been most healthy. Wow. Some of that was like probably mechanical that I like that hip was going to happen in no matter what. And so yeah. that surgery was what solved it. But I really think most of those injuries came from not doing what I just prescribed earlier. Yeah. Like I, I didn't like foreshadow all of the potential like adjustments I needed to make. And because all I ever was doing was running, I wasn't doing... In high school, we used to play... We had an hour lunch break every day in high school. And every single lunch break for the full hour, we'd either play touch rugby, tackle rugby, or pick up basketball. Like, right. we were active using our bodies in every which way. And then when I became a full-time runner, yeah, you're in this like linear plane movement, only doing this really like repetitive action all of the time. And if you're ever slightly thrown off, then your your body's vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. But I honestly think, in addition to the things I explained to you before, what's really assisted me to make sure that I, my body's always prepared and ready is becoming a parent. My eight-year-old, over his course of his life, I followed his progression as he was able to crawl upstairs at the playground to going through the tunnel, to going down the slide, to going on the <laughs> monkey bars, all yeah. those things, like... I slowly did those things with him as well. Like right. at first I was so like stiff and not very mm -hmm. nimble. Whereas now I can do full speed every possible way on the playground as we play tag with him and his friends. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's cause I slowly made those adaptations. And so I'm actually much healthier as a runner now because there's very few things that throw me off. Cause my body's already done that every day when I've been playing with my kids on the playground or on the trampoline. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you that because I, I have a, five-year-old and three-year-old boy as well and uh i was gonna say those kid workouts can get pretty pretty fun and intense just, <laughs> and you can also throw them around as like extra like weight lifting just <laughs> yeah yeah nothing <laughs> like, better than those rest of times so yeah i i actually put down my more recent health to taking care of my body inadvertently in many ways but also in the weight room a lot more because i know mm -hmm. If I don't, my body's just going to go to the shitters. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a much more disciplined person in the weight room. Discipline in the sense of going. I'll still try and make it just fun and not too like structured. But that's going to have to become a real anchor of my life if I want to sure. enjoy playing recreational sports into my 50s and 60s. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, one of the other things I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, some other guests, but just this idea of uh, specializing in certain sports. I feel like you see an increase in injuries with athletes, uh, you know, kind of across the board in the last twenty years or so. It's since that's become this thing where it's like you're going to play the baseball all year round. You're going to be pitching your arm all year round, and then they're blowing out their, you know. Uh, they're like Tommy. They're getting Tommy John surgery when they're nineteen yeah. years old, seventeen years old. And uh, where in the pat, where in you know, in the seventies or you know, basically before the two thousands, you had athletes like even Michael Jordan. He played. He he would take off the entire season and play golf like in the winter and not even touch a basketball between the end of the season and the preseason. And uh, and and those athletes, you've tend to see might have 20 year careers Nolan Ryan for the Rangers had like a 30 year pitching career which is unheard of now it's not even a possibility um so yeah I think that's one and as you said you know you seem to do pretty well when you were playing rugby and things like that and then as as soon as you kind of just focus on just running um well it's twofold right you doing too much of one thing but also not enough of another thing mm -hmm. here was a tweet that um, Kyle Merber shared out the other day of like how incredible our bodies adapt, adapt and evolve. And it was a picture of Ryan Krauser, the Olympic and world record holder um, mm -hmm. of his hands in the shot put. And his right hand was like twice the size of his left. Like we don't Whoa. think of our hands as like muscle bound things, but his hand, it was like freakishly different. And he's a large man as it is, but like right. even he trained that throwing hand to become more and more calloused to the to what he needed to do and so that's the danger of overdoing one activity is if we only ever run around the track left all of the time like we're gonna become yeah, right. very imbalanced creatures and it's all it's gonna take is like the one time we've got to like lift an extra bag of luggage off the carousel at the airport we could tweak our back and that will affect your race that you've just arrived sure. in new york city for or whatever <clears throat> have you ever seen alex honnold's fingers like the do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like the yeah, yeah. time, they're just like in between each knuckle. It's just like a sausage because uh, like their fingers are so built from climbing. Yeah. It's wild to see. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take out Hobbs's fingers now that you said that. My trainer, he's a he's a rock climber also. Oh, is he? Okay, cool. Yeah, and again, that's probably great cross training for running. I can only imagine. I'm guessing that rock climbing might be the ultimate cross training for running because it's the one activity where you increases your flexibility but it's not losing your power and your muscles the biggest risk of stretching sure is that like it elongates the muscle and you lose the power out of it right right but we need to have a big range of motion we want to have big long beautiful gazelle like strides like that's what we'd see the beautiful strides of some of the kenyan middle distance runners mm -hmm. but rock climbing you're also maintaining that tension in the muscle while having to get your flexibility so that could be the ultimate one for us yeah it's interesting because a lot of rock climbers run too um i know some of the more premier i think tommy caldwell runs uh does a lot of trail running too and um i think it's worked both ways in that situation you know but you're right it's an interesting i wonder if there's any science to back that up because i feel like there's, there's no like aerobic capacity to it so it like complements it it doesn't like overlap right, exactly or, like, counter it you can do it in your off season or like 
in the afternoon. So like if you're gonna go to the weight room, it's an alternative to that. Final check-in. Man, we're getting through the holidays here. Just think, you have a chance to up your mileages right before the end of the year so that your Strava account looks incredible. Actually, who cares? Grit's coming up. Let your Strava count rest a little bit. Save those big miles for January. One of the uh, other things I want to talk to you about was kind of just your running career in general, since we have we touched on it a little bit, um, I guess mostly just the injuries at this point. <laughs> but uh, we can talk about the, I'd love to talk a little bit about your experience as a uh, as a 1500 meter specialist and maybe just about your running style in general, because I got to say, you're one of the most exciting runners to watch on the track. Cause every time I watch one of your races, I'm like, there's no way he's finishing in third or first. or You're the first person to say exciting. Everyone else tells me that's the most frustrating person to watch. <laughs> it is Get frustrating. Up the front, Willis. <laughs> but even if I know the outcome, I'll watch like a video on YouTube and I'm like, I still, it's like when you watch a movie and you know the ending, but you're like, there's no way this is going to happen. And uh, so I guess it's, maybe it's exciting when I'm rewatching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but w- is that like, have you, have you always had that running style or is that something that you adapted to or how did that work for you? Yeah, I, I honestly believe it's physiologic. It's my physiology as determining how I race tactically. What I mean by that is that although I have a decent amount of fast twitch fibers that I can run at a decent at a fairly high speed for a middle distance runner, mm-hmm. I don't have explosive fast twitch fibers. I have no ability to like get off the line or those initial three or four steps. I'm probably the slowest of all elite 1500 meter runners. It's only once I'm up to speed I can start getting that going. And because of that, in order for me to compete for positions in the first 200 meters, I have to really dig deep and it would like eat into my reserves mm. that I would prefer to like have to utilize later on in the race when I can actually like put them to proper use rather than be wasted. And so I just accept that I'm slow off the line and let that be and then um, play the rest of the race with a full tank of gas and then slowly try and figure out ways that I can get near the front without using up too much of it so that I can sprint at the end. The beauty of a road mile for my particular physiological makeup <laughs> is that in a road mile, the runners spread out left to right. They're not in a big straight line as you're going around bends trying right. to save distance. And so at any point in the race, if you want to move up, you can do so in very gradual steps. You don't have to do a big move where you like yep. move out to the outside, do a surge and then step back in. And um, I think that's part of the reason why relative to track running, I've had more success winning races on the road. Whereas on the track, I actually don't have a lot of success winning races on the track. I'm able to get dragged through to good times or I like can sneak into like <laughs> minor medal position, second or third. But if you really want to win a race, you're you're leaving a lot up to chance running from the back and unfortunately that's sort of how my career has panned out but um perhaps that's why at the olympic games i've been able to pull away come away with some medals whereas a world championships or a smaller meets where others are more willing to take risks um 
they benefit from that but the olympics people panic and they the moment gets the best of them and that's where i'm able to like make the most of running a more conservative race yeah and speaking of the olympics i kind of wanted to talk about how you know in 2008 you ran beijing came in third in the race at the time but then uh the winner of that race uh rashid ramsey he basically got busted for doping so you moved up to uh silver and you ended up i think the award ceremony is like the first one held in new zealand which is kind of cool i guess <laughs> yeah um, i was i was the only person to ever receive a national anthem for a silver medal <laughs> that's amazing um and then but at the same by the same token the uh Isabel Kiprop finished first in that race and you know eight years later he got he also was banned for EPO uh for doping and like I don't know is that I feel like if that happened to me I don't know if I would be able to let it go is that something you've been able to come to terms with that you were possibly could have had a gold? I guess we don't know what was happening in 2008 at the time with Kiprop, but just the idea of that you could have been in a place for a gold medal or at least finishing in second at the time. I think um, had the Kiprop doping suspension whatever happened a lot closer to the time of the yeah. of the experience it probably would have been a lot more frustrating especially if it wasn't close enough that it would actually elevate me to the middle mm -hmm. and so i might have been more cynical about it <clears throat> but the fact that i went through all of those injuries and surgeries and stuff that i explained failed at the london olympics and then eight years later as a 33 year old was able to get back onto the podium again in Rio. Like that was such an unbelievably satisfying experience. Like the arc of my career, like it sort of put everything, it put a exclamation point down for myself that I knew I wasn't a one hit wonder, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. To me, I think I can like have a more peace in my career and like satisfaction and pride about that. And I know, well, I don't know, but I suspect that had I been crowned an Olympic gold medalist, would have come with a lot more pressure during my career, a lot more expectation, and I might have been a lot more satisfied to like, all right, I've done it all. I've made yeah. a lot more money and all of that, and maybe I'm not going to keep fighting and fighting like I did and like overcoming all of the different obstacles that came in the way. And so I, I don't, I wouldn't change my experiences because i've been so blessed and so that's the way that i i genuinely have felt about the whole process i'm still glad that kiprop got caught because i get the personal satisfaction in addition <laughs> to those things to know myself that i was a worthy first placer in that race sure. but let's even take it back if kiprop and ramsey weren't in that race in the first place maybe the tactics of the race would have gone a different way that day. And I was third in that race, but there were guys in the field that probably had a better fitness on the day. They just ran really terrible tactical races. And I ran a, I executed a better tactical race, right? Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't have played out that way. Um, had Ramsey and Kiprop not been in it. I don't know. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it because it's, I mean, I guess it's a very balanced way of just, you can control what you can control and that's that's it 
I mean, and then... it's easy to say it because I still was very well taken care of by my sponsors and yeah, I have been fine financially throughout my career. Had I been fourth place and all of that had happened and I never received any of the financial benefits. That's why it's a lot harder for other athletes to let, let that go. But I've been one of the fortunate few that has really been taken care of throughout my career without any reductions or any of that sort of stuff. So I, it's hard for me to really have any complaints or cynicism. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point because you never really think about that. You you think about the people who got their medals or didn't, or but just thinking about the fourth or fifth place. That's because, I mean, yeah, man, that's an interesting. I never even thought about that way. When when people win medals, it means many years down the line they're still going to be taken care of by their sponsors. Those who don't, it's like a year by year thing. Yeah. So there's a lot of security, and that's part of the reason, a why I was able to overcome all of the different injury challenges that I had because I wasn't on a timeline that I had to rush back from. Mm-hmm. I was able to like slowly get back ready and ready for the next Olympics, um, and know that my family was going to be able to have a house and to live in and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's the reason why I was able to have a much longer career than perhaps other people who were like the bills to pay, they got their wife or their girlfriend who's one about to have a baby and they're like, well, maybe I got time to get a real job to support a family, you know, but yeah. I was able to have that taken care of throughout the, the ups and downs of injuries that happened in a runner's career. I mean, are you, were you able to reflect on that in the moment or is that something that's just come with time and that you've been able to recognize? I mean, I normally panic the first 24 hours and I start getting out a legal pad and start coming out with all these business <laughs> ideas and I've got to like, all right, what's my next thing I'm going to do? My running's over. <laughs> and then the voice of reason, AKA my wife will come and say, Hey, put that away. This, you've got a job to do and let's get healthy again. And she's right. And so I go through the grieving process. It's like a, probably takes me a week to like process all of that. And then after the week it's over because I've done the grieving process. If you deny it, that's just going to push it down the line. But once you get that out of the way, then I start setting new goals again. And the goals are less time or like performance based on the running track. It's like, all right, I want to beat this like rehab timeline that the doctor or the physio has set out for me. And so you become like competitive on that side side of things. Yeah. I was kind of wondering how you switched from, like, I always wonder about that switch where you're, you know, you're an Olympic athlete, you, you know, you want an, um, you won third in or bronze in Rio. And obviously, you know, you're getting older. And how does that transition work from keep trying, you know, you're, you're hammering away, trying to be the best that you can, but like time is just catching up. And I want to know how that works mentally and how you adjust. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me in the past couple of years is slowly losing the love of racing Mm. um because deep down like what i loved about the sport was a either trying to beat people i love to try and win a race like ultimately that's what sport is right Mm -hmm. but the other element to running which we all get hooked on nearly 99 percent of us is that thrill of running a pr like improvement is highly addictive but i wasn't improving anymore (laughs) <laughs> nor was I winning races. I was still running really well at a high international level, like mm-hmm. stuff that I would have dreamed of if I was a teenager. I wish I could do that one day, but sure. I wasn't ticking either of those two boxes off. And that was the real challenge. And 
I had to figure out how to like, I, I was really frustrated after every race for a couple of years. And it wasn't until the pandemic happened where like, we basically had a year off. I finally allowed myself to stop seeing myself through the same lens that I had been seeing and having all of these high goals that I had to be at this certain level and beating these particular athletes and living up to the reputation that I thought I had set for myself that Nick Willis must perform at this certain level. And I, I allowed the goalposts to be moved and that totally freed me up to like feel in the sense that I was getting those runners highs again because like <laughs> I actually genuinely was excited to finish fifth in a race or to run a certain time that in the past would have been a, a joke for me, right? Yeah. And so the the step away for a year allowed that shift and the goalpost to be moved and then I could I started re enjoying it again. <clears throat> Do you feel like you needed that break to get to that point? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't let go. Part of it because I was worried what other people thought of me. And I thought, well, now that I'm fully removed and a, a lot older, then no one expects me to be able to live up to the 33-year-old kid anymore. <laughs> right. um, and so I felt, yeah, I, not that I should care what other people think, but it, it sort of is in the back of your mind. Yeah. Now, I know uh, one of the things is you have a uh, – I know you have kind of like a deep faith in your life as well. Is that something that helps you through to get through those types of times? Yeah, I mean, my faith is – a part of me and everything I do right I don't mm -hmm. want to say I, I solely rely on it when I'm having a hard time or embrace it when I'm having a good time it's just a consistent element of my life and I think I would like to think that as a 38 year old Christian I'm much more mature about it and not less emotional as a Christian <laughs> yeah 21 year olds right no matter what they believe in whether it be political or religious or whatever you like they're like rah 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 <laughs> and I was probably the same way right for and sure. so it's a lot more even keel now. And so I, I would like to think that my faith has anchored me and my family in all things we do so that there's less chance to like get too emotional on the highs or the lows. And so that's why, um, yeah, I think that's, it's gotta be a reason why I've been able to keep going and, and derive pleasure and enjoyment from, from the sport for so long. And ultimately it helped. I think the number one thing is that I appreciate the opportunity. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm content with wherever I'm at. So that question that you asked about the, the gold medal, like there's a contentment that God's given me to be grateful for what I've been given. And that that's enough still trying for my best. Right. And then ultimately that it's such a privilege to get to go to all the different places and meet all of the people and, um, and try and have an impact in whatever little way that I can and in different people's lives that cross my path and be impacted by them as well. And so, yeah, that's why I have so much fun with our training group and whenever I travel. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I do think that like often in the day-to-day -day of things, you know, even with, you know, I get to interview a lot of awesome runners like yourself, review shoes, do things like that. And some still becomes a job at some point or it's just like your your reality and it is sometimes hard to just look outside and be super grateful for i mean having a healthy family having a life that a lot of people would be envious of just living in a place that's you're allowed to do that um i think you kidding me if your kid like had to go to hospital like your whole world would turn upside down right and so but we forget to take for granted that that is something we get to celebrate every day that our kids are healthy. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, just something as simple as that is, is really a, 
it's just one thing like that is could totally depending where you live just offset everything and um yeah it's uh i guess when it comes down to things like that having a different color metal isn't as as important as just having a healthy family and uh friends and a good community um but hey, my kids uh, don't care what i got <laughs> they just get <laughs> up i'm playing on the trampoline with them uh, yeah exactly um uh, so i guess uh, what the other thing i want to ask you real quick was uh regarding the four minute mile. Um, yeah. So with the four minute mile, what, uh, we can wrap it up with this a little bit. What are you thinking? What's the, what's the streak? Where do you think, how far do you think you can go? I think it's going to be hard to rally. I think next year is going to be probably the hardest one because I'd have to, I don't think I'll be motivated by getting to 21 years. I'll be motivated to try and do it as a 40-year-old. But that means I have to wait until the outdoor season because there's no indoor meets uh -huh. in April. My birthday's at the end of April. So i got to wait a year and a half to do right. it. Um, and so maybe I'll do it indoors as a way to like get ready for the outdoor season. But yeah, I think 40 years old is going to be much harder and it's it's harder to control the variables with wind and all that sort of stuff. And there are less miles available. So it, it's going to be really close and cut and dry, but that makes it more exciting. Right. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like this race in a couple of weeks, like it's early season. We haven't had any race preparations, all of that sort of stuff. Like there's a lot of unknowns and it's going to be 50, 50, whether I can do it or not. That's probably what it will be like in a couple of years as well. Yeah. How many times, uh, well, like how many times in a year would you go for the attempt? Like say you, not to, you're going to get it on midnight this year. I'm calling it, but say like in a couple of years or whatever, like you're like, Oh, I can't get there. Are you, are you going to keep going for it? Like a few times throughout that year, or you're just like, I'm done. <laughs> I would probably give myself like a, I normally have a three week window where I can be in peak shape and I would like gear up my training for a, a block of training so that I can like, taper off and have this three week window where like I've got this right balance between speed and endurance. Uh -huh. Cause if you end up going any longer than that, you run out of endurance cause you haven't, you've been tapering up. Um, so yeah, if I could get two or three races within that window, then that'd be great. Um, but again, finding them would be the, would be the challenge. But yeah. if you can't do it, it means you're really hurting and it's it, pain is hard when you're older, like that sort of pain. Yeah. When you're young, you you love that stuff, right? <laughs> now you're very pain averse. Yeah, I I I I hear that for sure. Um, well, okay, I think that wraps up. Wow, we've almost been at an hour. Okay, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, it's been a great conversation, and definitely honored to talk to you. Really respect everything you've done, and very excited for the Tracksmith Midnight Mile. I won't be there, but our video guy in the office, he's going. So I'll make sure he gets awesome. plenty of plenty of photos and video and everything else. Hey, let's go for a skate sometime. All right. I like it. All right. Thanks for talking, Nick. Thanks so much. Take care. Hey, Robbie, guess what I just got today? What? I got uh, the final, final uh, beanie hats. Oh. From okay. uh, They're not here in my hand. Okay. 
but they sent me the production finished ones and they're going to ship them out to us now. So we should have them at least by mid January. How do you get one, Thomas? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot yeah, to tell what, you. What beanie hats are these? These are the grit be- winter grit beanie hats and they look dope. If you want to go to our Instagram page, you might, by the time that this is aired, you're probably going to want to look through our feed. Yeah, we need to post that today. I did. Oh, you already did? Yeah, go oh, shoot. check your phone. It looks haven't, dope. Haven't smashed the graphic. Um, but that, the sweatshirt, the distance patches, it's all available to you. You can sign up at believeintherun.com forward slash grit. And we are almost sold out. We're 90% dope. the way sold out. So if you want to party with us in January, it's going to be a blast. We always love doing this. We share our miles with you. You share your miles with us. We jam up our stories with your stories. It's so much fun. We put some music to it, do all that stuff. And yeah, track. and there is a price increase. So we're allowing people to register through the first week of January in case you realize how much you're missing Unless out on. it sells out. Um, yeah, so there's a few things happening. One, it might sell out. Two, there's a price increase on December 31st, so get in now if you want to. What's the price go to? Uh, jumps up $10. Okay, so, so it'll be 40, your, 49 now. Dude, for 49 bucks, just getting, getting the beanie and the sweatshirt. And the beanie and the patches. Tell me, we wear that sweatshirt like to the office every day now. I know, I love it. <laughs> By the way, mine needs to be one. washed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, yeah, it's, it is a really good deal. But the best part about it is really interacting with the community during the event. We have a great Facebook group where people are posting their miles and, you know, people creating their own little uh, challenges in between. But yeah, it's just a fun month. So if you want some motivation to get through January, sign up for Grit now. Believeintherun.com forward slash grit. Get in before it sells out. All right, Robbie, you did a great job. I'm really impressed with your solo skills there. Just wait till you hear the action. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It was a good time. Uh, Thanks, Nick, for coming on. You guys seem to have chemistry. Yeah, we uh, are like two scientists in a lab. That's cool. yeah, I'm hoping. I'm I'm interested to see if he can. I think he can get the sub four for the twentieth year. Yeah, I wonder when his streak will end. I don't know. But I, I, is out. anybody going to beat that? That's a unless people just start <laughs> running super fast, then we just don't know it. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously possible. But it, yeah. what's crazy is that just him going through surgeries and still running four minute miles like same year. I'm like, that's just crazy to me. Anyways, yeah, all the stuff that can happen. Yeah, but yeah, it was a good interview, so that was cool. Um, we have some great interviews coming up in the next few weeks, so stick around for those. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't listened to some of the back. old episodes, you can listen to those too. So many good ones. Yeah. So I guess we should probably thank our producer, Nick. This is the time to do it, Nick Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Thanks for you know cutting it up, splicing it, making it real. Yeah. Um, and then also, Robbie, who do you want to thank? Oh man, I'm going first this time. I was actually thinking in my head, like, who could I think to thank this week? So you know, ne- every week we're gonna ask you. I'm never prepared. Um, <laughs> we can go to here, Megan. Here's a here's okay. a good one. Thanks to all the listeners. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Oh, I know. Thanks to everybody who came out to the Faster Bastards yeah. run yes. on Saturday. That was like a really good time. Wasn't it fun? Who knew that a, a keg of Fireball would be so much fun? <laughs> a keg of Fireball, the fireplace on the big screen TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love it. Cozy. I don't know how it got warm in here just because of that. <laughs> we had the door open the whole I time. I know, and the fire was going. It looked cool. It was a good time. All right. What about you? I said thanks said to you, the you, listeners. You say bye, Ma? Oh. Hi, Mom. And bye. Bye, Mom. Yeah, jeez. Robin, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I thought you raised her right. <laughs>
<laughs> Stick around for a special Christmas jingle on the hidden track. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is you. That's staying. <laughs> All right.